Blog Talk Radio. It's June 14, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matters. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We say the next thing every time we start a show, and on the eve of Detroit 3 contract negotiation opening, let's put some extra emphasis on what we say every show. It's very important that everyone understand this at this time. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control for yourself, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Thank you. Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters, as in, as is as and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Listen Now. Also follow us on Twitter. Listen Now is actually a syndicated uh, radio blog podcast uh, site. So uh, welcome back, listeners. Uh, we hope that everyone had a wonderful Fourth of July uh, week and weekend and that you had fun and stayed safe. Uh, again, it is the eve of the beginning of the Detroit 3 contract negotiations, and there is much to say about that. First, let me bring on our uh, friend and colleague uh, for many years, my friend, Jeff Brown. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Leroy. How are you doing? I'm eating ice cream. <laughs> I guess that means you're doing pretty good, buddy. <laughs> eating ice cream. Yeah. Well, it's I'm been pretty hot, ball. hasn't it? The last since we were on the radio show here two weeks ago and and uh, I tell you, I, I way too hot. Yeah, way too hot. I I made a bunch of spellings in our notes here tonight, so I hope you forgive me. Uh, yeah, D- detour it. <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, um, how's how other than uh, eating some ice cream right now? How you doing? How was your week? Right now I'm week? doing okay. Okay. Um, you do anything fun for two weeks? Uh, there's an antique shop on the south side of Flat Rock. I've okay. been going there a couple times, and I found some very rare from my childhood. Uh, my grandparents moved to a little village called New Boston, Michigan, south by the airport. Right. I do know where that's and at. Ni- yep. And they moved there in 1967. And it just so happened that 1967 was New Boston's, let me see what it says here, 60. Centennial. Yeah, it was 100 years. And I found a, a ceramic mug that had the logo and the date 
and I bought it. Five bucks. I remember going to see that parade when it was about. And think, think they had some astronauts there. Um, can't remember what ship was there, but yeah, it was big time, big shindig dug in New Boston back in '67. So, little piece of history, you know, my childhood. So I bought it. Oh, good. So. Anything else? Did you, get off? Did you do any traveling or anything or not? No, you guys wouldn't let me go to Ohio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that'll happen. But, happen. but okay. Uh, how about if I start off with the uh, first one uh, and uh, you uh, pick up the even ones? On our announcements, how's that? Uh, okay, sounds good. Okay, the first one is Working for a Living Radio Show continues to support Medicare for Everyone, to support the end of corporations being considered as legal citizens, to support the UAW's boycott of Mexico, built a Chevy Blazer, and opposes the Detroit Three Corporation decision to outsource and move work out of the United States while they continue to use the U.S. has a target market for sales. Uh, number two, thank you to all of our new listeners. Please keep telling just one friend a week about our humble show. Again, many thanks to all of our listeners. Okay. Uh, June 29th, it was reported that the seventh-generation Camaro has been canceled and the nameplate to be killed off in 2023. Uh, four. Retirees don't get the Detroit three contracts contained in the Pension Protection Act of 2006 language that cuts pensions in half when pension funding levels fall below 80%. Because it is in the agreement and that makes it automatic when when that happens without any chance of appeal to the government like the Teamsters did. Right. That remains in our contract. We'd like to see that removed. One of the things that are yes. important. Uh, number five, June 30th, it was reported that the margin debt for stock purchase has reached all-time highs as a dollar amount and as a percentage I'd also note that this is uh, what caused the 1929 crash and two-and-a-half-year follow-through that took 25 years to recover from. Um, number six, June 30th, WFMJ reported that the U.S. Department of Commerce Economic Development Administration is awarding six hundred thousand dollars to help the area recover from GM idling Lordstown. That's that's a little bit of money. Uh six hundred thousand, you know, it's sounds like a lot, but in the big scheme of things it's you know, three or four houses in some instances and right. maybe a dozen in other instances, so 
and when you're talking about, you know, 2,000 people, it's not a lot. But thanks to the federal government for that. Number seven, on good authority, all of the Michigan building trades unions have taken the position to politicians. Their position is, start talking about labor issues or you'll get no PAC checks. This is sort of a follow-up that I, I uh, didn't have any direct influence in all of this, but uh, we talked about the idea that there's the people that are currently the face of the Democratic Party that are running for president seem to be forgetting about labor and talking about just about anything that's not labor-related. Uh, and uh, the... Uh, um, Michigan Building Trades is feeling the same way. Start talking about labor issues or you're not going to get any money from us. So we thank them for taking that position and we look forward to politicians starting to really care about America. All of those issues they're touting are important, but the core issues are everybody getting a paycheck, a good paycheck, every week on Thursday or Friday. Let's not forget that. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what color, race, creed, gender, religion. You need a paycheck every week, a good one. Let's not forget that. So thanks to the building trades for taking that. I hope that others start to pay attention and do that as well. Jeff? Two American icons passed away. B. Iacocca and Ross Perot both had ties to the automotive industry and may they rest in peace. Um, I read the Iacocca's autobiography. It was pretty good. Ross Perot, as you remember, he ran for president twice. Um, he Took a lot of numbers in 1992 that took votes away from the incumbent president George H. W. Bush. But I remember hearing stories back then that when John McCain was POW in Vietnam, his wife stayed loyal and worried about him until he came home. She got sick for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, he came to Barser and Ross Crow paid all of her medical bills. And then the last thing is Ross Crow got a, a federal grant to build a runway on his ranch for his private plane. Uh, you can hear that big sucking sound coming from Mexico. That's what everybody remembers about him the most. Right. Uh, you know, he he cared about the country. He ran for president twice. Uh, he, uh, while running for president, you know, he was a uh, a graduate of the United States. Naval Military Academy, Naval Academy, 
and as an officer from the Naval Academy, you learn protocol and proper respect for each and every soldier, no matter what color, race, creed, ability, religion, and you learn that. It's driven into you to respect every soldier, and that carries over into your life. He made a gaffe he, he, at the NC, National NAACP uh, uh, when he addressed them in one of his presidential races. He said, you people. And he was forever profusely apologizing for that faux pas that he had made. Uh, I don't believe it was his personality at all. Uh, I believe he just started speaking uh, something that he had heard and uh, didn't understand really probably what it even meant. I don't know. But I do believe him to be somebody that cared deeply about each individual uh, of our of our country. Uh, Iacocca, uh, he probably one of the last CEOs that really give a care about anything. You know, uh, he he actually had a, a style of leadership uh, that uh, incorporated asking his subordinates uh, what their plans were and what they thought. And, uh, you know, I'm not here to glorify any of these people, but, you know, I want to I wanna give them the due that they deserve in the sense that they, I believe they cared uh, in ways that the current leadership does not. And I think we'd like to have some, these two men, back uh, as negotiators and as leaders, but uh, that's obviously not going to happen. But uh, some of the people we got today really, really care less about the country or us workers. So enough said about that, I suppose. May they rest in peace. July 2nd, UAW Local 2213, Mercy St. Vincent Hospital nurses ratify their collective bargaining agreement. It was a long, arduous strike that they were asked to return to work because of potential permanent replacement that's in the federal law, that's a loophole, if one of the elements of the strike is not unfair labor practice that protects workers and only can be replaced temporarily. So as we are on the eve of the negotiations and the possibility exists of a strike, when you strike, please make sure that you have an element of unfair labor practice in the strike notice and reason so that they can't just arbitrarily come in and replace everybody. Come on. Come on. I hate to see another regional director or officer 
with a defeatist mindset. when he asked the nurses to go back to work. Because they were going to be permanently replaced. And the reason for that is, well, we don't know for sure, but had there been an unfair labor practice element of the strike, they can only replace you temporarily. That's protected under... 29 U.S.C. 158. Read the damn thing. Talk to your lawyers. Don't do, don't do this to anybody else. Jeff? July 2nd, it is reported that there are, are meetings between Uber and labor unions. July 5th, the National Labor Oh, You got more on that, Jeff? No. Okay. July 5th, the National Labor Relations Board made it easier for employers to oust unions if they simply feel they've lost majority support in their facility. You, you can't assess something by your feelings, you have to have an election. It's that simple, okay? And both sides usually campaign going into that election. So this is wrong, and that's got to change. And the only way of doing that is make a change at the top. July 6th. Go ahead, Jeff. July 6th. Paychecks. Leaving Kentucky coal miners to bankrupt Black Tool Mine in a buck bind. Um, coal miners are they're, they're some dangerous work. And I just sorry to see all these jobs disappearing. July 8th, Deutsche Bank exits the global equities business and cuts 18,000 jobs. The, uh, you, you may remember that in the 1929 crash, subsequent crashes on into 1932, losing some 85% of the market equity and causing a depression for at least 10 years until the war started that they made a law called Glass-Beagle and that was separate banks from equity businesses our friend Bill Clinton repealed that law and banks got into the equity business again and that's very dangerous Deutsche Bank, notwithstanding they're going to lay off 18,000 people, has decided not to be in the equities business anymore. I would have preferred that they spun it off rather than lay off all those people because those jobs were being done. They need them. 
but the idea that they spun it on or that they ended their equity business is probably a good thing for them, and they will probably be one of the banks that actually survive what's about to happen. And it's not going to be good. Debt's high. We printed money till we can't even, you know, figure out where to put it all now. Fiat money, digital money. All-time highs of margin debt percentage in a, as a number. These are not healthy for your economy. Okay, enough said about that. Deutsche Bank will probably be one of the survivors because of this. I believe they could have done it in a different way to save 18,000 jobs. But who am I? Jeff? Uh, July 9th, it was reported that two women are lying to be the president of the national KFL-CIO. And I hope one of them wins. What we got now ain't, ain't working. Yeah. What we got now ain't working. Is... <laughs> yeah, it ain't working. Uh, no, it ain't... The one candidate is the uh, steward, airline stewardess president, who yeah. was very vocal back back in the spring. So I hope she wins. She's a good speaker. She knows what she's doing, and I wish her all the best. Um, okay, uh, we wish them, you know, I wish them all the best as well. You know, I, one of them likely going to get elected, and we certainly need to be supporting one of these women, uh, and we have no, you know, preference uh, to replace Trumpka. Uh, good luck to you as you retire and try and manage your life. I hope uh, they don't build you a house somewhere on Black Lake. All I can say. Uh, July 10th, it was reported that Amazon workers are planning a strike on Prime Day. Go ahead, Jeff. July 10th, the Teamsters held a rally on Capitol Hill in support of KTAR 397, the Rehabilitation for Multi-Employer Pensions Act, 2019. Congress in support of them. Okay. Uh, please, yeah, please do call your congressperson and ask them to support 397. So they're, they're, you know, they're working on getting that passed. So we'll see. Uh, July 13th, yesterday, fire breaks out at UAW Solidarity House, the headquarters, our headquarters. Uh, no reported injuries, and we want to thank all of the first responders who went in there and took care of whatever they needed to take care of. So they had plenty of fire trucks there, believe me. I saw a little video on that, and uh, they stopped them from taking the video, but uh, they they showed probably at least 12 trucks, I suppose, and uh, they got it apparently got it handled with, without any any uh, problem. Uh, there's been all kinds, you can imagine, all kinds of things said about why the fire <laughs> occurred. But I only said to social media, it was funny. Mm-hmm. 
I many thanks to all of our that. worldwide investigative reporters. Again, we're a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. Uh, we uh, know there are other radio shows out there. Uh, we don't try to stop or in any way uh, uh, bother those radio shows. Uh, everybody's free. This America, okay, right? And they, they're free to say and do pretty much what they want uh, as long as it's true. Uh, you know, there are some things that have been said about me and others that are quite simply not true, absolute lies, as a matter of fact. Uh, so I will say that I have a clear and clean record with the state of Michigan. So that goes contrary to some of the things that have been said about me uh, by people that have been transferred around the country from the Lansing area. So be careful what you say about me because I have a record of what I am and what I do. So uh, as far as promoting the other shows, uh, we don't promote them. We are in contact with them from time to time on major issues just to make sure that uh, we pay due respect to one another uh, and uh, we do respect, uh, you know, especially we'll name him, Scott Shingledecker's been on the show for some 13 years or so uh, and he continues there and uh, he's a, a good union brother, well-meaning union brother. And while we don't go out and promote his show or cross-promote it, our show on any of his posts, uh, you know, we wish them well. When we left the show, Jeff and I, for cause, uh, and we won't get into the for cause, uh, you know, I think they understand why uh, now. Uh, and uh, it's uh, uh, something that we wish them well when we left, and we wish them well today. Uh, we're not in competition with them in any way, and we respect them in all ways. So, uh, and, you know, again, when there are things uh, that need to be communicated, uh, you know, we do communicate back and forth. Uh, so, uh, out of respect for one another. So, um, Having said that, let's move on. Uh, first of all, thanks to all of our uh, investigators. I think I might have said that around the world. We really appreciate everything that you do. Um, and uh, tonight, because of the show, it's already 27 after, uh, we're going to suspend the email messages. There were a number in support of, and uh, we'll uh, just say that we had a lot of support for our last show, and this week's quote will suspend that as well. So, uh, you know, the theme of the show, as you may have kind of understood right now already, is that this is the eve of negotiations. And unlike any other than two other challengers, uh, anybody else that's out front here, uh, I actually ran for president of the International Union. And Jeff was a candidate for vice president. So, um, you know, we have some pretty deep thoughts 
about what's going to happen in the next 60 days or so. Uh, Because uh, in the next 60 days, negotiations in the Detroit Three are going to determine the lives of many, many active workers and even greater numbers of retirees. Having said that, uh, I'll ask Jeff, uh, you have any thoughts uh, on, on, you know, this is unscripted by, you know, either one of us. I mean, we oftentimes think we have a little blurb here. I left the thing uh, on our notes about what the Constitution says about the temporary language, uh, but, and I think Jeff will get into that at some point, but uh, for tonight, uh, Jeff, as we're on the eve of contract negotiations, what do you have on your mind? I have quite a few things on my mind. First of all, uh, the tier system, the um, KWS, the uh, retirement language has to be uh, reworked over so we don't lose our pension. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. We hope this group of negotiators have the guts to make the changes that the membership wants or needs. Uh, I think they better remember that there's a lot of ex-union reps who are on the floor that could create some problems. If the current uh, bargainers screw things up. I was one of those guys for the last couple contracts. So, just do your job as required in the Constitution. You know, do that uh, looking out for the, the people, the membership, better uh, improve health care, improve working conditions, all that. Read, read the Constitution before they start. I hope that's what they do. It's like Article 13, Section 22, you're just talking about. That shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of, of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. This has got to be high on the, on, on the uh, list of the bands. We've seen far too many part-timers working four or five years without being hired full-time. That's what I got, part, really. part, Part-time is, after you'd say a year, part-time as an as a employee status, it, it kind of no longer uh, is relevant, is it, part-time? I mean, 
you know, if you're part-time, you're there for, a, a, you know, some sort of brief period of time. It's just it's the definition itself. Or you're working mm-hmm. less than 40 hours, meaning part-time. Now, yep. Jeff, what do you think that this, these work permits, what's a work permit? Work permit is an agreement to have uh, people to come in and work part-time. They're like the launch of a new vehicle. Uh, so everybody gets up in speed or going into a model change, uh, that type of thing. It's, it's not that hard to figure out part-time and full-time work. Like you right. said, they're working so, 40 hours a week, yeah. four years in a row. That's full-time, not part-time. You're right. And, and this work permit thing, do you, would you say that that also cover, you know, like summer vacation period, you know, from the yes. early, early May on to to uh, Labor Day or shortly after Labor Day, that kind of period of time, right? Also, right. Right. Work permit is issued to somebody that's not a seniority member, right? Somebody that doesn't have Correct. seniority member status, right? Is that, are we on the same page there, Jeff? Yes, we are. Okay. I think everybody that we've talked to is on that same page. A work permit isn't somebody that's a, a permanent worker. It's somebody that's hired for a brief period of time to cover management's need for summer vacation, for, as you said, something about a launch, something along those lines, or if they have some sort of temporary need. Beyond that three months, they're supposed to be seniority employees and with all the benefits. And we've seen the disadvantages of all of this. And, you know, uh, when they get laid off, they don't get subpay, they don't have the opportunity to move while they're working, under duress of being discharged for long periods of time, they're forced to do jobs at you know breakneck speeds that are uh, not humanly sustainable over time, and and the uh, whole notion that time studies are being done on these people and that time studies then being forced on seniority workers, and of course they can't do it without pain medication. Over time, a lot of these jobs, not all, but a lot of them, and they go to get pain medicine from the plant, and the next thing you know, they're addicted to it, and they stop giving them pain meds, and then they're on the street dealing with unscrupulous people trying to get opiates, and that's in part the opiate crisis of our nation. This isn't just happening at the Detroit Three, because there's a Me Too clause in uh, corporate America. Oh, if the Detroit Three are getting away with it, then we can too. Okay. While that's a very important issue, Jeff, I think you would agree that also, if we don't have jobs to go to work at, none of us. Retirees, seniority people, temporary people, 
nobody is going to benefit if we don't have jobs, right? Correct. And making a living wage. Yeah. So the paramount thing is that we have a a priority of job retention. Okay? And, you know, we've said here, I mean, I kind of put a teaser in here. You know, some 20 years ago, we had almost 750,000 active workers in the Detroit Three. Now, that's, you know, that's that's a number that's, you know, maybe a little high, maybe a little low, depending on who you talk to. But the number now, in 2015, we have that Ford and GM were tied at approximately 52,000 each, and Chrysler was 38,000. And it was recently announced at one of the meetings that GM that was at 52, roughly, is now the lowest membership of the Detroit Three. So did Chrysler move up, or is GM below 38? And if that's the case, then we've watched GM lose arguably 14,000 members of the UAW in the last Four years since 2015 and I got to tell you as we watch these jobs go away less and less was done about it there's all manner of reasons why and speculation as to this and that and of course we had all of that nonsense regarding the the uh, uh, criminal what nonsense I shouldn't say but certainly the the tainting of our union with the criminal charges and uh, such. Uh, And that's not over yet. There's a lot of people yet out there uh, that uh, the federal FBI is looking at. But we didn't do much as we watched 600,000 jobs, arguably 600, go away. And now... Nobody's talking about it. We've talked about it a lot on the show, not recently, about the whole notion of artificial intelligence and the end of work. I've seen no substantive communication from the International Union regarding a committee that's dealing with this or any such thing. It is the number one thing facing us as a union. Those 600,000 jobs, some of those were replaced by robots. Some. Most of those jobs exist in second and third tier companies around the hubs of these assembly operations, they exist. They're doing them for half wages. Many of the jobs and some of the assembly operations have been moved to Mexico and offshore to China, places like China and India for a while in Australia, where they can exploit 
the workers for low wage, extraordinarily low wage. They left Australia because they couldn't do that there. Their minimum wage is over 20 bucks, as I'm told a year ago when I uh, had a communication with uh, law students who came to Michigan State University Law School for a brief period of time, a couple of weeks. They were law students. Their law schools paid for them in Australia. All education is free. Just pick something that you want to do and it's free. Health care is free. Wages are doing quite well. Minimum wage is over 20. These men and women lawyers, students, student lawyers, expected to be making mid-six figures in their work and not have any student debt. That's incumbent on us as a union to address incumbent on us as a union to bring wages higher, stop the suppression of wages, stop the compression of jobs so that they're no longer easily done. Fair days work for fair days pay has gone out the window a long time ago, and that was Walter Ruther kept saying that over and over and over. There are many issues before us, temporaries, health care, retiree, monies. You know, I mean, they, in, in the last 20 years, retirees lost a really good benefit, was taken away, and that was paying for their Medicare, $143 a month, I think it is now. That's $1,600 a year, roughly. Just under. They lost the $1,000 cola ketchup, also known as the Christmas bonus. And then they have, they have the gall to say retirees need a raise. Hell, they don't need a raise. They just need you to stop taking from them. Raise would be nice. But you can't negotiate for us anyhow, according to Pittsburgh plate glass versus chemical workers. But that's long out the window after the VIBA now, wasn't it? You established that you could represent us so that you could speak on our behalf, maybe even speak on our behalf when it comes to debt peasants insurance. Let's stop the corporate executives from stealing, well, pardon my French, uh, creatively taking money from the revenue stream and through life insurance giving it, to, giving it to themselves as a beneficiary to their pension fund tax-free. That would free up one hell of a lot of money to come to all the stakeholders. And those of you on the national bargaining teams if you're not familiar with that, you should read up on it and ask the leadership outside the contract and outside the Constitution that if they have authorized 
said it, dead peasants insurance, also known as corporate life insurance, that they need to cease and desist such authorization so money can flow into the bottom line where we can pay for everything that we ask for. Everything. Job retention, wage improvement, annual improvement factor, reinstated 2% a year. Ruther had a good idea. You call yourself the Ruther Caucus, maybe you ought to start paying attention to your own court. Bringing jobs back in, resourcing those, not outsourcing those jobs, bringing those companies under the umbrella of the Detroit 3 contract, so that they get the benefits and the higher wages, like they're supposed to. Stop offshoring. Stop sending work to Mexico. You know, I've had a number of our inner circle uh, talk to me in the last couple of weeks, and they found it despicable that a regional director would have such a defeatist attitude when he told the nurses to go back to work. Just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you've got to put your tail between your legs and run. You tell them. You tell them. Federal law passed by whoever against labor enforced by the National Labor Relations Board is to blame for companies having this loophole in the law. It is unfortunate that they are implementing this at this time. In the short run, we're going to ask you to go back to work. Never will another mistake be made like that where they can permanently replace you as long as we know there are protections under unfair labor action that they can only temporarily replace you if there is one element of a strike that says it's unfair labor practice as a part of the reason for the strike. You may not be permanently replaced. That's what I'm told on good authority. That's what you tell the nurses. You don't look like somebody's about to shoot you when you're saying it. And that's a real concern by a lot of people in our hierarchy and across the nation among the membership. We need warriors, not wimps. If you make a mistake, we'll work with you to fix it. But don't accentuate 
that you made a mistake. We give you good advice from time to time. A lot of people are. A lot of people. And it's incumbent on me and Jeff and our rest of our inner circle to make sure that we articulate this well, not just on this show, but throughout our posts and our communications every day. I know of a couple local unions where top leadership aren't even speaking to each other right now. You ought to be glad I'm not in the local. That's unacceptable. One of the local unions, you know, a letter was sent this past couple of weeks that said you have to put a letter in making sure that your local union intends to have a contract after expiration date, and that had to be in 60 days prior to the expiration of the local union. And games are being played. Some of the people who are supposed to get it weren't on the email lists or just on the distribution. But we and our team saw to it the people that didn't get it by email got it anyhow, quickly because it was time sensitive. Then we're told that there's automatic renewal of the contract. Contracts have expiration dates. And because there's an expiration date, that means it expires on that date. Legal minds will tell you that is considered that labor contracts are considered that they extend. But this letter that came out did not say that. It had wanted all the local leadership to send in a letter saying they want to continue to exist. In the one case that we're aware of, nearly 500 people with their families laid off, hoping to someday go back to work. If there's ever a local union there, the letter wasn't being put in. That letter got in. Not because of anybody that was trying to help them. And you need to talk to each other. Nobody should be making at this time in in our national status of labor, nobody should be trying to think they can make these decisions by themselves. I sure as hell know that I don't. We need to continue to talk. As leadership, you need to talk. If you're not, if you're not, then you're part of the problem. 
if you're not and you're in high leadership, you shouldn't be there. Because the membership's continued communication to you is important. Job retention is number one. Stop the closings. Negotiate like the Dow's at 27,000, whatever the hell it's at, 27,000. Up from 18 in the last two years, two and a half. Negotiate like it's the apex of the economic sine wave and ask for more. The $10 billion annually that they're getting is only a part of the bottom line revenue that should have been there because of this big hole in the side with a huge 36-inch thick thick wall pipe going over to the insurance companies full of $100 bills. Since the last agreement, Mark Fields, the CEO, was outed by myself for having an $858 million pension. He laughed all the way to the bank three weeks later when Ford fired him. Collecting in a couple of semi-trucks full of $100 bills from the corporation as he left. That's beyond ridiculous money for somebody that's an employee. But you see, corporations have paid for Congress, and they lobby for the corporations. These leaders lobby for the corporations. But because they have the power to lobby for the corporations, they've also lobbied for themselves. And this is a sweetheart deal, believe me. You, the national bargaining teams, need to take a good hard look at why this continues. Because he didn't get that money. It was 34 times his highest wage. He only worked 32 years there, Mark Fields. That's more than he ever made while he worked for the corporation in a pension. Hey, we want them to live well. They don't have to become billionaires, all of them, when they leave. The bankruptcy judge in the case of General Motors asked about this big funnel, hole, 36 heavy wall pipe going over to the insurance companies, and they said, oh, we have to have that there just to retain the very best, kind of like our president got an uh, increase from, what, 160 up to 200,000. we got to have the best, right? Okay. Let's see if we have the best. Jeff, do you agree that, you know, retention of jobs over, you know, we have a lot of issues out there, but over all of the issues, Retention of jobs, protection against 
artificial intelligence taken over our jobs. I mean, I had a guy from England come to me this past, well, about six days ago and say, you know, you ought to have a $10,000 annual for everybody that's laid off forever. Forever. That way, if they happen to get a minimum wage job, they can actually live. For every last one of them. Forever, he said. That was the English version, and this is a very educated person. He had a whole team of people when he came to meet with me. I don't know who else they're doing that to, but they're doing it to us. So, well, do you, Jeff, I mean, there's a question on the table. Do you believe that in the whole notion that we have to protect ourselves against further job loss or attrition to artificial intelligence? Do you think that's like number one? Yes, that's got to be the number one issue. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, all the other the issues are important. But if you don't have a job, I mean, the way it's going, you know, look at what we're losing. Every time we turn around, we have another big loss. Mm-hmm. So, um, abide by the contract or constitution, important. When the these corporations accepted us as a union, they accepted all of us, including our own bylaws, better known as our UAW Constitution. And in the Constitution, it says what Jeff just read here a while ago about temporary workers, temporary work permits. So the corporation has liability to not violate our own bylaws when it comes to allocation of seniority regarding a temporary status. Federal law says they have to accept us and all our rules. And when they say, oh, well, we don't want to deal with the temporaries, you point to this in our Constitution, then you drag out the Wagner Act and show them. We're certified to represent the workers there. And in that certification, it provides, it provides that they accept us as an organization to include our Constitution. If they don't, it's unfair labor practice. And that, my friends, is the argument, if you have to take us out on strike, that protects anybody from being permanently replaced. Okay? This isn't just a radio show. This is what you'd be getting told if I were president. Because in the end, it's officers from the local unions who handle grievances, 
and handle negotiations. President sets the tone. President hears appeals of such things. Appeals. Doesn't handle them, handles the appeal. Much difference than a grievance. So a retiree can indeed be president of the International Union. Just for shits and giggles, some of you that said no when I ran. No retiree can hold office that handles local union grievances. That's the limitation on a retiree holding office. You, local union officials on the national bargaining team, need to understand what I just said about unfair labor practice. They must abide by our Constitution because we are certified as a union to represent the workers. And if they don't, they are in violation for unfair labor practice that protects our members from being permanently replaced in my understanding of the law and my counsel. If you don't think that I'm telling you the truth, please go and talk to your own lawyer. Let them read it. And I'm quite sure they'll concur with me and whatever I've been told. So, let's get the temporary straight. straight. Let's stop having competitive clauses in in all the agreements. That's where president and chairman are required to make the company competitive. We're required to make our members competitive according to the National Labor Relations Act and the, the board. That's who we represent. We don't represent the company. Do we want them to be successful? Absolutely. Do we want them to take advantage of us? Absolutely not. Which goes to my closing rant for tonight on the eve of negotiations beginning. I touched on it just a little bit. There is no one in a union leadership position that needs to be acting like a defeatist. The teaser for this show was we need warriors, not wimps. We are adversarial in nature. We represent the members, and they represent management, the corporation adversarial positions. They want the best for the corporation. We want the best for our workers and our members. There are some mutual mutuality in all of that. We need to make sure that you understand it can't be in the agreement that we have competitive clauses trying to make them successful. 
And the only way that you can do that is in no uncertain terms, just like we say at the beginning of every show, act in the interest of the membership, have a strong, strong message to management that is flawless, and take back what they've been taking from us for some time. Like I said, the retirees in the last 20 years, off the top of my head, 2600 bucks, plus the co-pays and premium for health care, another 1000 I wrote an article about it being 4000 in 2014, and that's got to go up since then. We think the thing we got back was the uh, legal services, and that was approximately $250, maybe more now. But we did get that back. Thank you. Warriors, not wimps. The membership is very concerned that we're seeing defeatist attitude out of the leadership. We haven't heard, we're going after this, we're going after this, we're going after this. We've heard the corporation say, we're going after this, and we're going after that, and we're going after this. We want health care. We want you to pay for your health care. We want you to have higher rate of uh, temporary employment. All the above, they're after it. We've heard it. Tell them what time of day it is. Tell them they're not going to get it. Tell them what we want. Let's see the, the switchboard's full. Uh, anybody out there want to say something? I see. I mean, I've been on it here for about 20 minutes. Pretty hard. Jeff, uh, I was the question was on the table, I guess, you know, about having the uh, uh, job preservation, et cetera, and having strong position by our union leaders, not a defeatist position. Are, are you in concurrence with all of what I just said or any part of it you disagree with? No, I agree with everything you said, Leroy. It's okay. all about the membership. Yeah, it is. It is. We, it's all about know, the membership. Support the company. <laughs> Newsflash to all the new leaders out there: we're, we're not a union to represent the company's interests. If you want to say something, press one. I don't see anyone, anybody punching one. So. Uh, all right, got a pretty full switchboard here. So, all right. Uh, so, well, 
with that said, uh, uh, and nobody's got any comments they want to say here. A lot of folks listening here. Thank you all for coming and listening. Uh, it's important. It's the next two days that they convey a message that is meaningful and full of conviction from the membership. Because you have it. You know, Red Shirt Day, Red Shirt Wednesday, has been growing and growing and growing. There's people in the community wearing them. More and more people in the plants are wearing them. It's your idea, International UAW. We're supporting it as best we can in order for everybody to show everybody, management and union, that we're solid as a workforce and retiree groups and communities about workers' needs and rights. So we're behind you. We are. We think some of you are probably a little crossways with the law. But we're going to support you through this and let the law deal with that as they see fit. I think they're going to leave it alone until after contract. Let everybody do what you're supposed to do, and then we'll see. Remember, the corporations buy through our certification under federal law. Accept us, each and every one of us, and everything about us, including our Constitution. And if they don't let you remove that temporary language and get it back to 90 days, that's bargaining in bad faith. Okay? That means they can't replace our members. At least, you know, I mean, yeah, we have the National Labor Relations Board that's been pretty active, and they're out there doing everything they can to destroy us. The current president pointed at a sign, unions are destroying America. The thing is destroying America, corporations stealing money for themselves and not getting it into the middle working people's hands. I'm not going to call us a working middle class anymore, to a working class. Somebody told me here really close to me, somebody said, you know, the middle class was a mistake. No, no. It's a mistake only if we let it be destroyed. This contract is one of the, not one, it is the most important contract of all time. It will define what unions and workers are all about for 50 to 100 years. Concessions are done long ago. They shouldn't have been done last time around. The corporation is at fault if they don't abide by our agreement, by our Constitution, rather. Each and every member of this union 
because of the Constitution, is bound by it. The presidents are empowered to enforce the Constitution and enforce federal law if somebody's violating it. Each of us have not just a right but a duty to hold people to account to abide by our Constitution. Jeff, would you read that one more time? Constitution? Article 13, Section 22. You have Hold on a second. You're right. Okay. Article 13, Section 22. It shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. And that's Article 13, Section 22 of what, Jeff? Our Constitution. For the UAW Constitution, right? Yes, you're correct. And in my, yep. In in my way of thinking, that applies to each and every person who negotiates an agreement on both sides. Okay, that's one of our biggest problems. Next to job retention job improvements okay so uh, local unions start talking to each other you you officers in the local union you're not going to like it if you don't okay Gary Jones Enforce the Constitution. That's your job. You got a raise to do it. Okay. There's a lot of things that are being violated out there. This is one of them. That's the one that's on front page right now. Okay. Having said that, Jeff, do you have anything else to say? About any issue out there, or just talk about your your uh, ice cream that that you had earlier tonight. <laughs> My ice cream was good. I'm not, no, not <laughs> supposed to have it, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I don't have anything to say. Nothing oh. I can say in public. <laughs> right. I know. But, um, I know. Yeah. Um, a lot of shady things going on, people. Yeah. And people in my local think that I don't know what's going on. They got another thing coming. Because so yeah. I do know what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I mean, we cover a lot of ground tonight. Um, again, I want to leave the, the listeners with the following. We hear you. 
when you say we're concerned that the people representing us at the highest level are defeatists and likely to give in to pressures by management. You've heard this evening that we articulated your message. That's the best we can do for now. In 60 to 90 days, it may be a different story. Believe me, we don't need weapons. All we need is a pen or a pencil or a good typewriter, keyboard in today's world, to bring victory for you and hold people to account who don't abide by their charge that was designated to them upon their oath of office and upon the last constitutional convention that either changed or affirmed our UAW Constitution. Having said that, God bless our union. God bless our leaders that are there. God bless each and every member of the UAW and every trade union across the world, every person that's just not a union member and wanting a higher wage and a better life. God bless each and every one of you. You have a safe week until next week. Good night, listeners, and good night, Jeff. Good night, everyone.